Welcome to Mysteries to Die For and this toe tag. I am T.G. Wolf, and I'm here with Jack, my piano player and producer. This is normally a podcast where we combine storytelling with original music to put you at the heart of a mystery. Today is a bonus episode we call a toe tag. It's the first chapter from a fresh release in the mystery, crime, and thriller genre. Today's feature release is The Bastard Verdict by James McCrone. All right, let me just switch my screens here and we will jump right into chapter one. Glasgow, 28 September. Anyone with the temerity to look upward into the rain that night on campus would have witnessed a kind of negotiated settlement between light and dark as the wet Glasgow night held the pale glow from the Adam Smith building's top floor close in a murky halo. One man did look up before sullenly returning to the meager shelter of a young birch tree outside the west entrance to the building. He mopped his face and dabbed his bald head with a handkerchief as he settled back against the tree trunk. Inside those high windows, the brightness reigned, the lecture theater dazzlingly arid and contemporary, though it was chilly for all that. Not that Imogen noticed. Within her slow burn imposter syndrome panic, she felt flushed, anxious, as she began taking questions. FBI agent Imogen Traeger had finished her first lecture as the Alma Guthrie Visiting Research Fellow in the School of Social and Political Sciences at the University of Glasgow. 25 scholars, professors, and graduate students sat bunched toward the front of the large lecture room in a broad, curving rows of steeply raked seats. Each had listened with that cultivated, scourly air of bored attentiveness to her inaugural lecture, meant as an introduction and discussion of her research interests for the coming years. Rain pattered against the windows, a discomforting serceration that swelled and hissed during the agonizing moments of silence before questions and comments began. The head of the school, David Reedy, sat next to her at a table beside the lectern in what felt like a well at the front of the room. He himself cultivated through administrations had groomed him in its image. While most of his colleagues affected a casual, smart, anarch different diffidence, he radiated trim-suited, camera-ready gravitas. To her immense relief, the gathered academics began to ask questions regarding methodology, about the role and effects of policing in urban environments, two extended offers to help in research design methods. As Reedy sensed that things were coming to an end, he asked a question of his own to wrap up. Thank you, Dr. Traeger, he said, most enlightening and well presented. You've given us insight into your research agenda for this year, he continued, but I'm sure we'd all like to understand, as an FBI special agent, if you'd care to discuss how you begin your investigations. What's the catalyst? Even at the bottom of the well, Imogen stood out, long-limbed, a sharp bearing with striking red hair and green eyes. As I mentioned, my special brief is voting integrity, she began. It's said that the difference between voting in North Korea and in Texas is that in North Korea, if you vote, you're dead, whereas in Texas, if you're dead, you vote. 
that won the chuckles that she hoped for, and she relaxed a little. She had a doctorate in political science, but it hadn't made a presentation to a group of academics in years. She was pleased that her proposal to investigate how voting security was processed in another country had met with some measure of approval and interest, and pleased to be on now firmer ground of criminal inquiries. Both of those methods, by the way, she added, intimidation and fraudulent voting, fall under my group's purview, and we would investigate, though obviously not in North Korea, we are a domestic agency after all. Of course, she thought dismally, she wasn't part of that group any longer. Whatever praise the FBI bosses accorded her publicly, it was given through gritted teeth and rickish smiles. Most of the higher-ups at the Bureau still regarded her as a pariah. They were thrilled that she was taking her leave out of the country in the great abroad. The cowards. You've no doubt heard the braying about fraudulent voting in the U.S., she continued, looking out at the gathered academics. But despite my quip about Texas, in the U.S., like here, voter fraud is exceedingly rare and hasn't been a determining factor in an election in decades. But electoral fraud, manipulating, suppressing, or outright disenfranchising voters, that remains a danger. In each case, the fraud is an attempt to undermine or outright destroy the right of the people to determine their future. So typically, she continued, tapping the mental brakes lest she lest her newfound calm erupt into indignant anger. An investigation begins when someone at the Federal Elections Commission, a state attorney general, or some other official files a complaint. Having determined that there's a case and that it falls under federal jurisdiction, we open an inquiry, and then I, or someone in my group, will be tasked with investigating. But we're also meant to be entrepreneurial, actively looking for potential cases. Of course, she had thought, it was the entrepreneurial part that seemed to land her in trouble. Then, because she couldn't help herself, she added, and there's sometimes an infuriatingly myoptic interpretation of the line between what's deemed to have violated the law and that which is just morally unacceptable. I venture, or I assume, ventured a small man with a knotty thatch of iron hair seated in the front row, that you are aware Scotland may yet have its second referendum on independence from the UK sometimes this year or next, and I knew you'd bring that up, Reedy yelled. He looked at Imogen with embarrassed ex exasperation, then shook his head mournfully. And so, the second man continued, his eyes bearing into Imogen as though much depended on her answer, how could we ensure that the next referendum isn't stolen? Give it a rest, Frankie, a scholar at the back of the room called out. I've read that Scottish Parliament wants a second referendum, she began, and that they ran on it in the most recent election, but I wasn't aware that there were irregularities in the one held in 2014. Right, said the professor sitting next to Frankie. That's because the irregularities are only in we, we Frankie's mind. See you, Frankie began, turning to the man as uncomfortable laughter stirred through the room. Well, I, Imogen murmured into the growing noise. This may not be the place to talk about it. I don't know as much as you must about British politics and irrespective of whether there was tampering the first time. Here, the room erupted into a passionate debate.
By the look of things, the lecture hall could have well been Parliament, with parties divided to the left and right across the aisle. For a moment, she wondered whether she was cast as speaker and should be shouting order, or whether that task fell to Reddy. However, she continued, as if taking the first role, to answer the substance of your question, in my investigations, I make historical comparisons with similar elections, and I'm guided by events that don't conform. Anomalies don't always indicate malfeasance, but they're a good place to start digging. I will, there were anomalies aplenty, Franny interjected. The problem, she continued, is that referendum votes are such rare events that there's not really a history to compare. She let that sink in. How do you know something's an anomaly? Prior to 2014, there had never been a referendum on independence. So what do you compare it to? Where do you look? She ended her presentation there, thanking all who had come as Reedy shook her hand and congratulated her. Well, he said, that was a little more robust than the previous lectures. That was true, she thought. As a visiting fellow, she had attended the two previous lectures in the series. Determination and Consequences of the Recognition of Education Among Immigrants in Germany and Unsettling Epistemologies Using Digital Tools. There hadn't been much controversy during the questions after those. Reedy smiled. What do you do for an encore? As the final cluster of scholars filed out of the room and Imogen began packing away her laptop, a man who had been sitting on his own near the back came forward. He was one of the few who hadn't entered the fracas. He had stood out, though, handsome, well-groomed, with soft boyish features on a man's slender body, crisper with sharper angles, sharper elbows, too, by the look of him, than the graduate students and professors who had made up the bulk of the audience. He seemed more like a confident advertising agent. The department head nodded to him. Dr. Imogen Traeger, he said, this is Ian Ross, special advisor to the First Minister. He looked pointedly at Ross and made to leave. Imogen registered the look but didn't know what it meant. You'll both be at dinner? Ross nodded and the department head left them alone. Holding out his manicured hand to shake hers, Ross said, we Frankie's concerns. I'm sorry, she interrupted. Is that what you call the eminent political philosopher, Francis McDougall? Well, yes. And he's wee Frankie to everyone? No, not to the students. No, not to his face anyway, he added with a mischievous grin. Reedy misspoke just now. I report to Janet Ritchie, Chief of Staff to the First Minister of Scotland, not directly to the FM directly. The smile dimmed. The Chief of Staff is aware that you can't establish a norm in a referendum like this, but it might nevertheless be useful to note and explore potential points of difficulty or weaknesses in the system, don't you think? Wasn't that part of your analysis of what happened in the Electoral College? Indeed, Imogen responded. But I would hope if there's an open inquiry, the Scottish or UK election committee is doing just that. She reached down for the UK to US plug adapter. Yes, he said nebulously. Maybe you might look at it as well, unofficially, of course because irrespective of what's been said publicly, a number of us are pretty convinced it was stolen last time. And if this referendum does go forward, we wanna make sure it isn't stolen again. All right, that ends our first chapter. 
So as I said, this is written, this is Bastard Verdict, and it's written by James McCrone. It was released in May of 2023 and is available from Amazon and other book retailers. About James, he is the author of Faithless Elector series. That includes Faithless Elector, Dark Network, and Emergency Powers, taut and gripping political thrillers about a stolen presidency. Bastard Verdict is his fourth novel, is a conspiracy surrounding a second Scottish independence referendum. To get the details right for the new thriller, he drew on his boyhood in Scotland and scouted locations for scenes in the book while attending Bloody Scotland. He is a member of Mystery Writers of America, International Association of Crime Writers, and he's the new president of the Delaware Valley Sisters in Crime chapter. He lives in Philadelphia. You can learn more about him from his website, jamesmacrone.com. Now here's my review. All right, so Bastard Verdict is a political thriller. I think that's the third time you're hearing that now. FBI Special Agent Imogen Traeger is on sabbatical. She's taking a break from the fallout of her last cases to to dive into the safe world of academia. That's supposed to be sarcastic. As a visiting fellow at Scotland's University of Glasgow, she's diving into the data behind referendums in the US, Scotland, and Sweden. But then a question is raised about the validity of the 2014 Scottish referendum on independence. And that quick, Imogen is back in the thick of things. So bottom line, Bastard Verdict is for you if you like sophisticated, intricately woven political thrillers steeped in real historical events. So what are the strengths of this story? The primary strength is the premise, the exploration of a fascinating what if. What if an election was stolen that the victor would have won anyway? Was a crime committed? Where's the accountability? How high does it go? And what would the victors do to stop the story from coming out? It just really gets your mind kind of reeling on the what ifs. So this is Imogen's fourth case. So when you start reading, you understand right away that she is an established and well-developed character. Um, This book is set in Scotland, so it's not the US. So there really aren't continuing characters or anything from the previous books. There's some allusion back to it, but it really makes this a good book to pick up and an easy choice if you haven't read the previous books because it's pretty much 100% standalone. Thriller lovers should be aware that this is a political thriller, so the tension and action are much more intellectual and less physical. Pacing is strong, with the storyline continuously moving forward. Interestingly, the story is largely driven by the, quote, villains, who force the heroes to act and then react throughout the book. So where did this story fall short of the perfect political thriller? I had two minor challenges reading the book. Um, The first centers around point of view. So Bastard Verdict is told from multiple points of view, which is common with thrillers. But occasionally, the change in the point of view happened right within a scene, often very subtly. It was enough that I had to stop and to reread the previous, a couple of the previous sections to really understand who was narrating now. Was it a big deal? No. But did it take me out as I had to back up and really make sure that I understood what I was reading? Yes. The second challenge centered around the logic and sequence. Once the story gets rolling, the action of the characters are consistent, even if they are largely driven by fear, greed, and paranoia. I mean, those are legit 
as legit as positive reasons for acting. I mean, they are the bad guys after all. The starting premise that gets Imogen going on the research isn't the strongest, and a coincidence regarding one of the characters struck me as convenient. These were minor, small distractions from an otherwise very enjoyable read on an intriguing premise. And so that is the first chapter of The Bastard Verdict. Um, go online, find it, read it, post your reviews, help James uh, reach other lovers of political thrillers. Join us back next week for a regular episode of Mysteries to Die For. Until then, have a great week, and go ahead, Jack, take us out.